What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 73 of the PA Turnpot. On today's episode, Rob and I are going to talk about the Aaron Judge home run watch now that he's tied Roger Maris for 61 home runs. Now the question is, when will he break it? Uh, after that, we will touch on the Ben Simmons appearance on the old man in the three. We'll just go through some bullets and boards of what you know Rob and I took from it. We'll get our opinions on it. Next, we'll do the week three NFL review. That'll be the bulk of the episode. And then we'll preview tonight's Thursday night football with the Miami Dolphins. The 3-0 Miami Dolphins on the road in Cincy. Should be a good match. I'm curious to see if Rob will pick the Bengals actually for this week. Then, W's and L's. And Rob has a special top, I guess, 15-20 worst Apple TV moments. But first, let's take a quick pause for our sponsor, Anchor. That was a 13 second wait. It was painful, but oh my god, yeah, it was well worth it. Silence was definitely. Uh, welcome, everybody. This is episode number 73. Oh, well, how about that? Um, isn't that how many home runs Bonds hit? Yes, oh, there you go. Episode, episode 73, which happens to be the um, the actual the episode, record. Yeah, it happens to be the actual record. Uh, the, the fake record of 61 was just tied by Aaron Judge. So, um, I'm Rob, <laughs> joined as always by Joel. How are you tonight? I'm pretty well, uh, a little under the weather, but just the sniffles as the the guys at work kind of like debunked it. You just have the sniffles. I'm like, well, okay. someone's getting off at 7 p.m. <laughs> you got the suds. Got the suds. But yeah, naturally, uh, the, the the night you're able to get off early is the uh, the night that I can't seem to get on and record. So <laughs> right now, I think my computer has AIDS right now. So I'm, I'm using a backup computer. Yes. Someone who was gracious enough to. Yeah. What is that sound? Uh, it's not coming from here. What is going on? Yeah, people, right. don't, people don't know how to drive in your state anyway. <laughs> it's cheaper though out here. Apparently. It's a little bit cheaper. <laughs> according, to, insurance, uh, sure isn't. according to um, a couple of people in, in the state, it's cheaper here. So They don't listen. Um, <laughs> so Aaron Judge finally did the thing. First of all, uh, we want to start because there's no other time to really put this in here without you know breaking up the, uh, the fun. We want to give our condolences to Mike Breen and his family. Breen is the... Uh, the lead announcer for ESPN basketball coverage for the NBA also works for, um, I believe the MSG network as the Knicks, um, like local TV commentator, he and his family, uh, his wife, three kids and their dog are all safe and okay, but they're, uh, they lost their house in a fire, uh, either yesterday or the day prior. I learned about this yesterday when I was listening to the Michael K show and K read a message from Mike Breen. Uh, they pretty much literally only have the clothing on their backs and whatever was in their pockets at the time that the, uh, the fire occurred. So, Jesus. Sorry to hear that. 
um, luckily, you know, he and his family probably have the, um, the resources to withstand an issue like this, but, uh, it sucks. Yeah. I mean, losing all your belongings just like that. Luckily everyone's, you know, alive, safe, just pet, his kids, everybody's safe. So our condolences to, uh, Mike Breen and his family. That sucks, man. Just like that overnight, you kind yeah. of your whole, your whole world is kind of shook a little bit, but as long as you have the people that are with you side by side every day, healthy, that's all, all the other stuff is materialistic stuff anyway. Yeah. Kay was saying yesterday that, uh, Breen from when he was a reporter and younger and even currently has most of his notes, uh, by hand and doesn't really have them on like a tablet or a computer or anything like that. So sounds like, you. Lot, so all of his notes are gone basically which is upsetting because you know he might have notes from when the knicks went to the playoffs and stuff like that or maybe he has notes from the you know the game seven of the warriors and the Cavs game so i mean there's a lot of belongings that are uh you know literally worthless but um worth a lot to people like that so that sucks i can't imagine what i would do if that happened to me jesus I'd be distraught gosh. i don't think distraught's even the word i mean just fucked actually just heartbroken honestly but uh yeah, you told me last night. I was like, I read it. I'm like, what the hell? It's weird. I thought initially it was Mike Francesa because uh, Kay kept talking. Oh, and geez. he kept saying, I guess I, Breen and, and Francesa must have the exact same name wife. Because I swear he said Roe, which is also Francesa's uh, wife's name. Um, it's in Long so, Island, too. Jeez. Uh, I should have probably um, fact-checked this prior to coming on. Uh-oh. How about that? Yeah. Mike Breen's wife's name is Roseanne. And Mike, uh, Mike Francesca's wife's name is Rose, but he calls her Ro. Mm. So the whole time I was listening to this, I was like, all right, I just heard the name Charlie. I think that's Francesca's kid's name. Um, interesting. So I thought it was Francesca the whole time, which I was like, why would Kay talk about his competition? And then I realized it was Breen. <laughs> so that's upsetting. So uh, sorry to hear that. Uh, but there's no other time to put that into this episode. But uh, on to the happy stuff, as we are um, inconspicuous by their absence. The Phillies will not be discussed on this episode. Um, as you can tell, yeah. we have smiles on our faces, and that's why <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about the uh, the other team that we uh, we rooted for this year. I mean, I don't think they can tell it's not on video yet, but uh, in our in our cadence in our voice, you can hear our, yes. our excitement. <laughs> there is a slim chance this will be in, on video, however. Yes, 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 yes. We'll talk about that uh, behind the scenes. Yes. Um, but uh, Aaron Judge, after yes. a seven game home runless drought, definitely a word home runless, homerless. Let's go with that. <laughs> um, he broke his silence in a big way, although he wasn't really silent. It was just a home run silence. Hit a home run last night. Uh, today is Thursday, so on Wednesday night, off of the man who now gets to be the answer to the trivia question that the Blue Jays were desperately trying to avoid, Tim Meza, Allentown's finest. Uh, fun fact, yes. so I, I was at the Phillies and... Um, <laughs> PA, let's yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we finally did something. Um so I was actually at the the, the Jays and Phillies game last week, which we talked about. Uh-huh. Uh, there were a lot of Mesa jerseys I noticed on the concourse. So we were in line for a long time getting dollar dogs. Yeah. And I saw a group of people in Mesa jerseys, and I saw more in the crowd. I was like, this guy's got to be like a local kid. So I Googled him. He's from Allentown. So good for him. Oh, shit. Does this, is this all like setting up for Aaron Judge to Philadelphia? Yes. So there are now two things that Allentown is known for. Like well, he waited yeah. seven games for the pitcher from PA to break it off, huh? I mean, come on now. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Ladies and gentlemen, Rob has been frozen. And we'll be right back. Uh, we're having technical difficulties here on the podcast. Uh, we'll be right back.
Oh, right. There's three things now that Allentown is known for. Yes. Uh, Tim Mesa, the guy that gave up 61st home run to judge, the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, and Billy Kidman. And that's about it. <laughs> Billy Kidman. I knew you sneak in a, an old school WWE reference in there. We've been doing this for like a year, but eventually we'll get one in there, one episode entirely dedicated to like the Attitude Era. All these wires. It sounds like I'm fumbling through a fucking pile of leaves. All right. <laughs> I am I am officially uh, as close to on the normal clock? as I'll ever be. I I don't know. <laughs> Clock's ticking on my patience, that's for sure. Oh man, and I might jinx it there right now. Go. So forgive me, listeners and Rob, but no uh, no barking. So I mean, well, they they barked when I threw my water bottle at the wall a couple <laughs> minutes ago. That was about it. <laughs> I felt like that the Bills offensive coordinator throwing all this crap all over the place. <laughs> How was that? That was the most craziest video I've seen. Like, dude, you, you took an L. It is what it is. He probably had money Whatever. on it. <laughs> yeah, right. He probably had plus six. All right. Um, so should we just jump in? So Aaron Judge, by the way, was not slumping. Um, I know that there's this like this narrative that MLB Network was trying to push out there. The judge was just like slumping into the worst time of his career. It's like the fifth time this year he's going through a five-game stretch without a home run. So it's yeah. not entirely out of the ordinary. He was hitting 263 with a 548 on base percentage and a 421 slugging percentage during this time period, a 190 OPS plus, which is 90% better than the average in the league, and a 192 weighted uh, runs created plus, which is 92% better than the league in terms of creating runs. So That's crazy. He, he reached base 17 of his last 31 plate appearances before Wednesday. Excuse mm-hmm. me. And then reach base, of course, twice on Wednesday. So, I mean, let's let's get rid of that narrative. Uh, so he did walk four times on Tuesday. It's the first time a Yankee has walked four times in a game where no other player walked since 1958, which was Mickey Mantle, which is nuts. That is Judge, insane. Judge walked. There were no other walks in the game. Now, and were these walks? Off, yes. I didn't see this game. Sorry for cutting you off. But were these intentional walks or were these just, you know, a, a pitch that just missed the, the corner? <laughs> I, I would. They're like unintentional, intentional walks. They weren't walking him, you know, just putting up the four fingers, letting him go to first. Yeah. It was more along the lines of, I'm not going to be the one that gives this home run up. If he hits it, it's going to be on a pitcher's pitch. And he got maybe like two pitches to hit the entire game. Mm. One of them he fouled off, and I think one he took. Um, so it was more or less just they were kind of nibbling on the strike zone and didn't want to give him anything to hit. I would probably be like that. If I was the pitcher, my first pitch is like, if he hits this and it's not a home run, I'm walking him. If he hits it, it's a home run. All right, whatever. I'm history. He's hitting my terms. Yeah. So I throw it. He hits a foul ball. I'm like, all right, that's it. I'm not. (laughs) That's power behind that bat. I'm just gonna walk this kid until someone else gets me out of here. I'm not on the record books. Helpless feeling. Um, (laughs) You're on an island, literally on a mound. uh, So he hit number sixty-one. The top, top of the seventh inning. Just out of the reach of Frankie Lasagna out in left field. Um, <laughs> now, who is Frankie Lasagna? So Frankie Lasagna, uh, contrary to public opinion, is not the fat guy that missed the ball in left field. It's actually the skinny guy next to him, but the internet thinks it's the fat guy, which is even funnier. So there's two guys in left <laughs> that field. That was me. Yeah, there are two guys in left, me too, who uh, one of them is claims his name is Frankie Lasagna, and he owns a bistro. In, um, I forget where he, he says he's from. But the internet thinks it's this guy on the left. He's a little bit heavier and has um, a Blue Jays cap on. And he's like beside himself the whole time. Frankie Lasagna was like a little guy next to him with the dark hair. Yeah. Which is pretty funny. Um, so he was the one that just missed the ball. Um, they just believe that Matt Bush was the one who uh, officially retrieved the ball while in the, uh, the, the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has not been confirmed. And uh, Jordan Romano, the Blue Jays closer, is actually the one who physically handed the ball to Aaron Judge. 
So that's pretty cool. I think it's kind of a cool feeling. Uh, Judge also gave the ball to his mother, who yeah. I didn't know this, uh, and maybe I have misinformation, so I apologize if I'm sharing misinformation, but I believe Judge was adopted. Um, and I believe that was his foster mom that he handed the ball to. So, or like his, his mother who like adopted him out of the foster or whatever. Yeah. Um, which is neat. I think that's great. She did an amazing job, um, obviously, uh, raising him. Turned out to be an incredible human being. Um, oh, wow. I just did a quick that? little uh, Google. Uh, Aaron Judge has a closed adoption, which I didn't know that was a thing, but do you know what that means? No, but he said, I knew I didn't look like them. <laughs> <laughs> I just read the quote. Well, do you see the size of that human? <laughs> it's nothing like him. Yeah, he's like um, eight feet tall. <laughs> this but, nice uh, lady's like 4'11". <laughs> yeah, right. A sweet old lady, too. A yeah, blessing. This, a true blessing. Like a wonderful human. Yeah, they're both beautiful souls. But apparently uh, a closed adoption means uh, he does not and never has had any contact with his biological parents. So he's never, he does, he walks this earth not knowing who his mom or dad is or were, ever. So he had a close adoption. I wonder if they've made efforts to um, to reach out, but wow, you know, it's better off that way because he's in a more loving family now than it would have obviously been in before. Yeah, so but, his uh, uh, his adopted parents now are Wayne and Patty Judge. Says uh, he was ten or eleven years old. His parents told him, and he says, "I knew I didn't look like." That. <laughs> <laughs> and he has an older brother named John who was also moved up. So good for them. Yeah. And good for him. Seems like an incredible human. And so do they. So um, I believe that's Patty then who now has the baseball, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, honestly, perfect scenario is nobody got the ball. Uh, Zach Campbell, that loser, he bought an entire section worth of seats in left <sighs> field. For probably, that game? Literally paid probably tens of thousands of dollars for them. Yeah. Oh, gross. He was the only one sitting in that section. He bought as many seats as he could. Just so he could be there, so Judge could hit the ball, not anywhere near him. So, uh, L of the week goes to him, impromptu, and uh, I guess it's a win for us. <laughs> yeah, it's a win for us. And he didn't get uh, Pujols at seven hundredth either. No, yeah, in fact, Pujols at seven hundredth. The guy who caught that apparently got it authenticated and then left the building completely. Uh, Pujols what... said he doesn't care. That's what I would have done. <laughs> well, you ain't yeah, getting money out of that then. <laughs> Apparently, when uh, when Joe, when uh, Maris uh, Roger Maris hit his sixty first back in nineteen sixty one, mm. crazy how that happened. Sixty one in sixty one. Now we're sixty one years later, and Judge hits number sixty one. Um, it was also um, Michael K on the radio yesterday said it was sixty one degrees when he walked into the building yesterday. So no fascinating. Um, but apparently Maris actually met the person who caught his home run ball, and he said, "You keep it, you sell it. That money will do more for you than that baseball will do for me." So I guess interesting. I, I'm meant to, I'm fascinated to see what happens with the. Um, with the 62nd ball, more than likely will happen in the Bronx this weekend when they play Baltimore. But um, look like you had something to say. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, well, just brought another question just, you know, dinged into my mind. But the first one, was that the best case scenario? I mean, I know we, we harp on that donkey, you know, basically rented out an entire section of row so he can catch the ball. But wasn't that best, the best case scenario for the tying record to no one to get it? And obviously, the opposing bullpen got it and handed it to him. Was that the best case scenario? Because obviously, you would always want to be the one to catch it. You could always cash it in, and you know we talked about it last week, prizes and whatnot. But ultimately, I think that's the best uh, case scenario. That was me for uh, no one else to get it but him, and then give it to his mom was a cool story. I would argue yes. 
I think it's a good, it, it saves people from the brawling for the ball in the outfield, saves anybody from leaving the stadium feeling unsafe. Yeah. Um, and it saves from, you know, somebody getting fleeced by getting only four baseballs in a picture with Aaron Judge for giving up a ball. So, uh, and this way, Judge gets the ball. Uh, it, who knows what will happen with 62? I'm guessing that there's not really anywhere, unless he hits it into the bullpen or in the Monument Park. Or if it's in, in inside the park home run, then I don't really think, or if it hits the pole and bounces back onto the field. There, there are a few scenarios where the ball cannot go into the crowd for him to hit a home run. Yeah. Obviously, hits either the foul poles inside the park, bullpens, or Monument Park, or maybe if it just like hits the yellow line, it won't bounce back. Whatever. It's possible that, um, there might be some violence at, in the Bronx this weekend if, if 62 goes into the crowd, but it's good at least you got 61. At least you can have two of the three home runs, 60, 61, and 62. At least you can have two of them. Yikes. I mean, I, I've i been joking for like the past three weeks about this. He should hit it to dead center field. If he straight can, into, just uh, straight dead end into a, I don't know, someone's statue, hit it off something, I don't know. You know what would be crazy? I don't know how there's situated out there but if he hits maris's statue then you know there's some sort of divine <laughs> intervention going on um so friday he takes on uh the baltimore or well, the yankees will face the baltimore orioles he faces austin voth who he's never faced in his career so i don't have any numbers to give you um, see ya yeah. a home run that's exactly what you're gonna hear on the first pitch or the first at bat saturday he takes the, the he'll face jordan lyles now this is assuming he doesn't sit today is an off day uh-huh. I don't know how many more scheduled off days they have. Yesterday, they kind of threw out their B team, um, plus like Judge and Donaldson. Uh, Saturday, they take on Jordan Lyles. He's 5 for 14 lifetime off Lyles with two doubles and two homers. Sunday, um, I can't tell who they're pitching because uh, one of the websites, Rotowire, says they're taking on Dean Kramer. But um, but Yahoo says it's Kyle Bradish, so I don't know who they're facing on Sunday. Both of them. Um, He's never faced Bradish, but he's four for seven with three home runs and a, and a single against uh, Kramer. So I guess if he faces him, it's more likely. Uh, Martin Perez on Monday in Texas. He's one for nine with a double, 0 for one against John Gray on Tuesday. And then there's no pitcher announced on Wednesday or on, uh, for the second of the doubleheader on Tuesday. And then it will be Glenn Otto Wednesday, 0 for three with a strikeout. So who knows? Uh, it would be perfect. I know a lot of uh, fans, including yourself, were kind of bummed that it wasn't going to be happening in New York. And now the likelihood that it will happen, this comes full circle. I think it should be at home for okay. one of these kind of scenarios. Yeah, so he's got three at home, and then they go four on the road in Texas. The I Texas like... series was actually supposed to be um, the first series of the season. Oh, yes. Um, which yeah. which pushed back to the end, and then I think there was another series that kind of pushed in there. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the got, ones, I believe. Yes, yeah, so they have seven games remaining. They're, they're 155 is what it took them to get um, – 61, which is one more, obviously, than Maris. Maris hit one, hit 61 on in game 154, which is how long the season used to be. And it was and 154 is actually longer than how many games Ruth played, so there's always going to be a question mark next to each of the records. Astros. Bonds obviously hit his, yeah. And Bonds uh, obviously hit his in, in uh, 162, as did McGuire, Sosa, and whoever else was in there, whoever else hit more than 62. Mm. I mean... I like that. Let me go back to the Toronto. Of, out of all the places, I think I would have preferred it. He hit the home run in Toronto. I don't know how much of it you caught. I think you were on your way back from work. I believe you probably well, heard that he right hit now. last night. Yeah, the the tying one, sixty five. So I was uh, I was actually in my house when it happened. I was watching on MLB Network. All right, so I was watching it too I had on MLB just Network. Just got home. I don't think I ate yet, but I just got. Home. <laughs> I was sitting there, 
And I don't know if you caught it, but it was like a 3-2 pitch. Obviously, he hit it, but it was 3-2. And I think before the pitch, he walked out. And Michael Kay literally said, he doesn't do this often. Well, I'm paraphrasing. He doesn't do this often, but he's kind of just like resetting himself, and he's been doing that. He's kind of clearing, take a deep breath, and reset and go back in there. And the very next pitch, home run. And I thought that was pretty eerie. Like, I had goosebumps. As I was texting you, you were like 61. I'm like, all right, so you already know, but I was like, Jesus, man. Yeah, it was it's almost Kawhi like where you just like you had to maybe take the battery up, put the battery back in, and then uh, reset. <laughs> I think that him walking away probably eased a little bit of the stress. Uh, so Michael K said today on his radio show that um that he has never had more stress on him than leading into sixty one. Yeah. Because as an announcer, you know you're gonna be scrutinized no matter what you say during the call. Um, he was talking about himself, John Sterling, who did the radio call, and then Dan Schulman, who did the call for um, Sportsnet up in um, in Toronto. And Schulman apparently said he was very concerned because he can't go overboard, even though he wants to sell the moment, because if he goes overboard, it's it's Toronto fans that are going to be listening to him, and you don't yeah. want to go super fanboy for something happening against your team. It's almost like, darned if you do, darned if you don't. And Schulman, I thought, had a pretty measured call, but it, it kind of sucks that he couldn't be himself. K at least got to let loose a little bit. And who knows if he had that like if he had that call in his mind heading into it. He did let loose, but it was it was good that it happened in Toronto because once it that ball hit, everyone stood up obviously and it was just like you're watching history. And as soon as he crossed the the plate and he went to the dugout, within like, I don't know, a minute, we're back to action. Like there was no let's give a five minute, like, you know, cheering that would have happened in the Bronx. Like, I don't know if you caught it, but the moment he stepped on home plate, whoever the home, the home plate umpire was, as soon as he his foot got off the home plate, he just brushed it off and like, all right, let's go. Let's continue. It just felt eerie. It's like, all right, we, he just hit 61st, and we're not really going to talk about it. We're just like, yeah. all right, on to the next. I think it was Donaldson who was next or somebody. Yeah, it was, it was weird. But, yeah, it was Cabrera, then Donaldson, and then Peraza. It was wow. weird, but uh, yeah, I mean, he hit 61. Happy for him, and he even said it himself. Pressure's off. It was like every at bat. Now it's like, all right, when are you going to break it <laughs> at this point? Yeah, now breaking it is tying it, I think, was probably the biggest hurdle. Breaking it probably. He might just set his next game. And then setting it. Because people, again, assume that that's the record, even though he said it in an interview that he he looks at Bond as having the record. Yeah. We'll tell you something. Yeah, that fairness, the guy acknowledged Bond is the one. Yeah, it, it, I think, and I was talking about this earlier with a friend, and we'll move on after this. Yeah. Uh, there is a universe where you can acknowledge both the fact that 62 matters and also the fact that Bonds cheated and also the fact that 73 is still the home run record. The, all three of those can be true. You can say that Bonds is the, the home run guy. You can say that Bonds cheated, and then you can say 62 is the clean homer guy. All of those can be true. Doesn't mm-hmm. take away from any of them. Bond still had to hit the ball over the wall seventy three times. That's what Passon said yesterday on, uh, I think he was on McAfee's show or something. Uh, um, he said the ball still went over the fence seventy three times. But Judge doing it with a clean bill of you know a clean history yeah. also tells you something. And, I mean, we said that also a couple weeks ago too. What is the record? And we both said seventy three is kind of the record. I mean, you still got to hit it. You can take all the stairs in the world, but this whole. The other thing I'll say is I don't really care that it's the American League record. The American oh, yeah. League and National League, they try <laughs> so hard. It, 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 they may, they're better off just being conferences at this point. The American League is not a different league from the National League. 
if anything, this, this should have happened in the American League sooner, considering there's a DH in that league all these years. Honestly. And there was none in the, in the NL, and all three of the guys that broke, broke 62 were in the NL, Sosa, McGuire, and Bonds. So, I mean, I don't like this idea that they just operate on different wavelengths. I understand that they don't, before this year, before maybe 15 years ago, they didn't really play against each other all that often. Mm-hmm. But it's a silly notion that the American League record is, they're just kind of tiptoeing around the fact that it's the, it's the clean record. But also, Roger Maris, I don't think, ever hit more than like 30 home runs in a season other than the year he hit 61. And he was also competing with Mickey Mantle that year. And I think it goes without saying that you know Mantle hitting fourth behind Maris was also helping Maris to get more pitches to hit. Judge, for majority of the season, had nothing behind him. I know he had Rizzo for a little bit, and then he had... Um, he basically like, carried uh, that Mayhew team. And, and Stanton, yeah. I mean, when Stanton came back and they batted Stanton two right behind Judge, he was getting more fastballs to hit, and that's when he started going on that surge, yeah. down from 55 to 60. But in, in the time after that, in the time before that, he was getting like crap to hit and somehow was just hitting so many balls out. So, I mean, it, there's a lot of thoughts on this, and I'm excited for when he breaks 62 because at least he'll be the Yankees' um, Yankees all-time home run leader, which is pretty crazy considering yeah. Ruth, uh, Gary, DiMaggio, all these guys played in all that those organization. Guys. And mm-hmm. all the players that played in the American League. So, Yeah. I mean, and also, and last thing, we'll probably move on to this. I think this is the more impressive out of the bunch because – He's doing it clean, you know. Granted, there's no steroids. He's doing it clean, but the pitching and the hitting in today's game is just head and shoulders above anything else in the past. And he's still raking these balls, like yeah. it's insane for his age well, too. And the last point I'll make, and I said this I think last week too, Judge is doing this relative to what else is happening in the league. Bonds, when Bonds broke the record, I think Sosa had 64. So Bonds only had nine more than the second guy. Yeah. Judge right now is what, 20 up on Schwarber? Schwarber or Schwarber's, Alonzo? Schwarber's got 40. I think Alonzo's got 40 or 41. Judge has 61. He's 20 up. The last time before before it happened this year, the last time a player began a calendar day, 20 home runs higher than the second was 1928. It was Babe Ruth. Yikes. So let's, let's acknowledge Judge relative to the rest of the field. And also acknowledge he's got a 200 um, OPS plus, which would be the first time since Bonds in 04 to do that. So he really is having a historic season. And to do it in a contract year, he might be the hottest free agent in the history of sports. Yeah, he betted on himself, and it's just paying off in more ways than none. LeBron going into free agency, Brady hitting free agency, and then like Harper Machado, they all had their own like allure to them. Yeah. But Judge doing this. You know this amazing season, having having this amazing season, hitting free agency, after betting on himself, he was offered seven two two ten, I think it was, bet on himself, and he's going to make three hundred million dollars this offseason, whether it's a good investment or not. It, it, can't, it can't happen to a better guy either. He seems like such a, a phenomenal human. Yeah, could, that, what, uh, good for him. For a team making that investment, you also got to think, ticket sales are going up, merchandise, marketing deals, the um, wazoo, how many and you'll be competitive. And jerseys and shirts you're going to sell. And if you can, if you can kind of manage it, because that's what you're paid to do. Judge, judge signs here. Hey, I want to play with him. Hey, I'll, yeah. I'll take the minimum. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, you might drag a couple guys along. So yeah. So I mean, let's see what happens. So let's move on to. Uh, we'll, we'll probably talk more judge at another time. And I'm, I'm always, I love talking random baseball things like that. And this isn't random necessarily, but I just love talking. If, we're never going to be in our lifetime. What are the odds that while we're doing this podcast, we're ever going to talk about a home run race again? You funny, funny you say that because I was talking with my dad because I was watching it. I had the privilege of watching it with my dad, who's let me say, yeah. do quick math, 
85 and pro- I'm probably butchering the number, but he's up there. He's in he, may not re- he may not remember it, but he was alive for when uh, Maris broke the record then. Pro- yeah. But we were talking about like, this we is history. He remembers all these old time players. Like he remembers Dimaggio, all these, because he was like a long time Yankee fan as well. And I'm watching, I'm sitting back, I'm like, I'm 32 years old, watching it with my mid 80 year old father, watching Aaron Judge. Basically when I get to his age, my kids or my friend's kids, I'm like, I was alive. I know where I was when I saw Aaron Judge tie. And obviously next, he'll set the record at 62, 63 for the New York record, quote unquote. But uh, it's a cool thing. Like you and I and everybody who's like a baseball fan can just, at in our age and our lifetime, can just fast forward when we're older and be like, I was there for history. I was there for 9-11. Yeah. I was there for this. There's sports moments in, in lifetime. This is one of them up there for sure. Yeah. It was pretty cool. I agree. There's, um, maybe maybe this is a maybe this would be a cool top five for another episode. But uh, <laughs> top five moments in sports history where you remember exactly where you were, I think would be a cool. Um, oh yeah, top for sure. Five. I have a funny. I have a funny one as it relates to the <laughs> Phillies, um, which uh, you'll probably enjoy. Um, I think yeah, I mentioned it. I uh, mentioned we'll talk Judge more, and we'll talk fit. Yeah. Uh, last thing, I think I mentioned it on the Super Bowl for the Eagles, where I was depressed <laughs> at in college. Oh, yeah, you were in college, couldn't, right? Yeah, couldn't yeah. be there in North Jersey, by the way, which is all New York fans. And I was like, "Fuck, why am I here?" But, yeah, we'll uh, move on. I was sick at home when the Phillies had their parade. So we're <sighs> gonna talk a little bit. So we'll talk Phillies on Friday. Uh, we're, we're gonna go back to back. We're gonna work back to back days on like Pat Nishek. Um We're gonna work back to back days. We're gonna do this episode today more jam packed with football. Friday will be a little bit more. We'll have a top five on Friday. Well, actually, we'll have a, a, a variation of a top five, which you'll you'll explain tomorrow. Yes. Uh, but we're going to talk a little bit of Sixers today. It's more so former Sixers. Um, I compiled a list of things of my takeaways from uh, from Ben Simmons. Yes, yeah, I said his name. Ben Simmons' uh, appearance on uh, The Old Man and the Three, which is hosted by J.J. Redick and some other guy. Um, the Old Man. Is that who it is? Tommy something. I don't know Tommy something. He doesn't offer anything aside from uh, blowing Rich Paul the entire time. So... You didn't have the opportunity to listen to the like the entirety of the interview, right? You you have seen some clips and some quotes, however. Yeah, I've seen the clips that he posted, but not. A, I saw maybe the first ten minutes of it of its entirety, and then I just felt, in essence, that, for lack of a better word, JJ and the old man were blowing Ben Simmons literally yeah. for the first ten minutes. Softball questions. Yeah. I was like, this is, they're just gushing over this guy. So I'm like, nah, not for me. But yeah, I'm more than likely going to relit. I'm probably going to re-listen to it tomorrow. I was listening to it on, uh, I think, Thursday last week when I, I was doing a task at work, and I, I like to have some noise in the background sometimes. Just mm-hmm. that, I don't like listening to the radio, so I was listening to it. I, I kind of took some mental notes, and then I listened to another podcast, uh, Sixers podcast, where the, the two hosts kind of talked about what they took away. Really? So I kind of piggybacked on some of their thoughts, and I also put my own here. So a couple of these questions I'm going to kind of eliminate because you haven't heard the entirety of the interview. I'm going to re-listen to it. Yeah. Um, if you don't want to listen to it, I don't blame you. I'll listen but to it. It, for sure, it might be worth listening to at some point just to kind of hear. Um, so, in your opinion, from the from the um, from the quotes and the clips that you've seen, how do you think he came off? And also, from what I've told you, how do you think he kind of came off in all of this? Because I I think I know how he anticipated he would try to come off, but I think it's a little bit different from how he truly did. He comes off a little like arrogant, like. <sighs> on his high horse a little bit and just kind of like, I don't know nothing about me. Yeah. Yeah. He kept silence. That's one thing I can commend him for that. He kept his silence when it could have been easy to just jump on Twitter or whatever. He kept his silence throughout, but he came off poor in my, 
in my estimate. From what I've seen, like the little clips, he's came off a little bit so, poor and just kind of arrogant. So my takeaway uh, from having heard the whole thing and kind of, I, I tried to digest it in a fair sense, not just as a Sixers fan, although I did have some angry moments. From like, this mother. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like this mother. Um, I thought he came off um, the way he tried to present himself was that of a sympathetic figure. Mm-hmm. Um which I'm sure you can understand. He wants to be seen as this guy who, for lack of a better word, wants to have just a little bit of sympathy because, you know, the mental issues, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas I thought primarily he came off very arrogant. There were a lot of things that he said where he said, you know, no one says this, or a lot of people are saying this, or everybody says this, where he's speaking on a very uh, small minority of people, like a, a very small group of people. Um, it seemed as though he was trying to bash the average basketball fan and make it sound and, and kind of pigeonhole everybody into one category. Whereas most basketball fans have an idea of what they're watching. For instance, one of the quotes he was saying is, you know, uh, my job is to make other guys better. That's basketball to me. That's crazy. That's basketball. You're supposed to get on the floor and make others better. I didn't know that. Um, you know, he says, um, <laughs> You know, the, the point of basketball is, you know, making baskets, which, you know, is true. I would say that's probably the, uh, the whole point. He says I mean, an assist to a basket is worth just as many points as a basket made. That's, uh, that's a, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Um, so he did say that he, it wasn't about the money when it came to the fines, which in, I half believe, you, you said last week you definitely believe it. I kind of half believe it. He's got plenty of money. He, he, no one's throwing him any benefits. As uh, That should be like my trademark line at this point. Yeah, right. I'm not throwing him any, you know, beef. And beers to get him some, some of his money back yeah but at the same time I, I do believe that to an extent if he truly wanted help i actually here it, it wasn't about the money in the sense that he didn't want to be around the team that's all that mattered to him i don't think it wasn't about the money because he didn't care about the money he just wants to be happy i think it didn't matter the money didn't matter because he just didn't want to be there so if if the trade-off is happiness for money i don't buy that if it's i want to go if i don't if i don't get paid that's fine that's what i think it was I think that's what it was too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ben. Uh, he, he, ben. yeah. I'm, Con- yeah. Continue. He, he yes. arrogantly, so Reddick brought up the, the, uh, the passed up dunk after yes. about an hour or so of kind of being like, here's all the good things. Here are the, here's all the good things. And I'm not him. bashing Reddick for this. I'll give you what I think about Reddick in a second. Yeah. Okay. Um, his, his stance on the media, it's similar to Draymond's, but it's worse. Um, <laughs> Reddick, I, I understand it as a journalist. If you and I had somebody on, like, let's say Carson Wentz, you would, you would spend a good, part of it going out you're good at this you're very good at this you get back to charity and then you would come in with the negative so it's like i like him he's cool but so it's one of those things when when they spend about an hour kind of massaging his ego which is fine i understand you you have a job to do this isn't exactly you know hard-hitting podcast it's just the uh the casual basketball listener when when reddick brought up the dunk ben jokingly and arrogantly called it the 100 point dunk the 100 point basket uh, in the sense that he's, you know, insinuating that fans are just treating it as though it's like the biggest basket of all time. There's a lot that could have happened there. Did you know that Ben Simmons in the Hawks series took fewer shots than Forkon Korkmaz? I did not. He became a different basketball player that series. And people aren't upset with that one play. I think that one play was a culmination of everything that had been happening. In fact, they tried to duck out of the game, fake the COVID, he got he, been the foul trouble in game he, six. He looked shook out him. there. You saw it. For, yeah. You were at the game. You saw yeah. I, I, it. It was looked, hard to tell in the moment because he did have some good plays, but yeah. But he looked like he was playing scared. Like, you know, when they, the, that old adage, you either play to win or you play not to lose. It was one of those yeah. things. 
Like he wasn't playing to win; he was playing not to lose in a way. He was just playing to participate. He was in just there way. to not get the F in the participation. But yeah, he called it a hundred um, point dunk, which means basically, yeah, if if he had stopped that and if he would made the dunk, game set match, Sixers would have won. It's arguable. It was. It was a four point swing. No, but I'm saying like that was the last the Thibault, last second shot. Yeah. It wasn't just that because I mean, Thibault missed a free throw, and then fouled a guy on a three down the other end. Um, he, I, I, we'll, we'll kind of blow through this because I think I might be boring people here with my opinions. He, um, <laughs> no, he thinks his basketball IQ is in question. It's not. No one has ever questioned his basketball IQ. People have questioned his heart and his ability to get better, but yeah. I don't think anybody's ever questioned his basketball IQ. I think he's one of the smarter players. He's a good playmaker, and he's a good defensive player. Um, um, so when, when they brought up his shooting, his main response was, uh, and I quote, fucking hell, get off my case. I do other stuff too. We know you Yikes. do other stuff. But if Yikes. you want to be LeBron and you want to be Magic, Magic wasn't a horrendous jump shooter his entire career. LeBron can make threes now. If you want to truly get better, work on the things you're bad at. Yeah. To, to bring up a, a cross-sports reference, Mike Trout one year struck out a lot. I think he was 14 or 15, struck out a lot on high fastballs. The next year, completely eliminated that out of his game. Did not strike out on high fastballs. Eliminated that. Bryce Harper, two-strike approach. He's striking out less now. Ben Simmons, just do something to get better. It, you, I don't need you to be shooting threes, but you shot, what, 53% of the line in the playoffs that year, 38 in the Hawks series, literally getting fouled on purpose the whole time. We get you do other things, and we appreciate the fact that you did other things. But you're a max player and an all-star on the second option on the, on the best team in the East that year. Yeah, People expect you to do better. He threw Seth Curry under the bus, his current teammate, by the way, um, when they brought up the fact that um, – uh, what's it called? Kevin Hurd. He was – he was on Trey Young in that series and whatever. He said, well, how many points did Kevin Herter score in game seven? Which is a direct shot at um, uh, Korkmaz and Curry. Yeah. Because those two were on Herter. Um, he said the team didn't want to come to Los Angeles to meet him until after training camp. They had all summer. Nobody reached out. Uh, fine. Complete, complain that uh, Embiid and... Um, Glenn. And about Embiid and Glenn Rivers. Reddick kind of didn't help. He kind of was like, yeah, well, they kind of threw him into the bus there. Um they said they blamed the loss on him. I don't think they blamed the loss on him. In fairness, and this is objectively speaking, Embiid and, Reddick, uh, Embiid and uh, Rivers could have handled it better. But I think in the in the moment that, that happened, it's hard to argue that they didn't just like assess what happened. I mean, truthfully, they kind of just talked about what happened and their thoughts on it. And then um, he bashed Shaq and Barkley. Shaq responded by saying, if you play at 930 and we come on at 10 o'clock, we just speak on what we see. The mental thing didn't come up until people started bashing you. Um, Shaq acknowledged that Simmons DM'd him and rescinded. Um, uh, he responded and said, uh, you weren't talking, which is why people don't know. Austin Rivers on Instagram believes ment- ment- uh, Simmons' mental health battle is a sham. Uh, what do you think? And that was in direct, that was in under a comment of the Old Man in the Three podcast, like Instagram post, I believe. And there I think was, someone uh, was like, there was actually, he was, was a mental re- health specialist that posted that. That's what it was. And he yeah, was he, This guy that. was examining his body language and all these different things, his mannerisms, and Rivers was like, y'all believe that? Uh, if, if you only knew laughing emoji, whatever the heck. Um, it's a slippery slope. Coming away from the clips that I saw and what I just listened to right now, I'm easing off on Ben a little bit because I don't know what happened. And yeah, Glenn and, and, and B could have handled it better, but... What we saw is a man playing scared and didn't try to shoot. Didn't even want to shoot. Like, even throw it up there. I don't know. 
you have Embiid down there. He can get the rebound, something. He didn't try it. And the mental health, I'm sure he did have it, but not to the extent or the severity that he is portraying and what others have probably been through or know other people that are going through. I mean, you're a max player, for God's sakes. You get to, you live in a good life. And, of course, money doesn't really fix everything. But, buddy. There's actually a lot. It could fix a lot of my problems. But your colleagues around the league, like Austin Rivers, who's not a teammate of yours, is basically seeing for what it is. It's a sham. I'm sure uh, Shaq knows a lot more than he's saying. People know and feel things. And only the people that were in that locker room for game seven or game six or that series in Philadelphia know what really go to, went down. So, um, it wasn't like you said in the beginning, he came off arrogant. He thought he was going to get some sympathetic points. He probably did from some people, not from me. He did. I did ease up a little bit on him, but he still needs to be held accountable for what he did or didn't do actually. What a waste. All right, let's move on to the, uh, the next segment here. We're going to talk some football. We're going to review week three. Some happiness? We all, as only we know how. Uh, some of these games, I don't have a whole lot to say. Some of them I do. This was not as eventful as week two. We're going to run through all the scores, and then following this, we're going to talk a little bit about week four, which uh, Thursday Night Football kicks off in about a half hour. Yeah, so right. we should be able to get our picks in by then. Um, hopefully, you got your same game parlay on uh, the risk-free. Um, so we're going to start on the Thursday night last week. The Browns beat the Steelers 29-17. Yikes. Of course, this was the other uh, Brissette and Trubisky Bowl. Um, if you bet the seven-point thing on DraftKings, you catch in the first quarter. Of course, my my same-game parlay, I believe that was my same-game parlay uh, cashed, so I was happy. Um, just missed another one on Sunday. Do you have any takeaways from this game? The Browns are now 2-1. and one, The Steelers are now 1-2. and two. So the Browns are in the thick of it in terms of a uh, divisional race. Um, but um, know, there's not a whole lot going on. Amari Cooper and uh, Nick Chubb both had 100 yards in their respective um, like endeavors. Well, I think this was the game that I lost the total because of a last-second fumble in the end zone. That kind of bit me. You and everybody else. Um, my two takeaways, Jacoby Brissett, he has control of this offense. People are buying into his teammates are in it. And I think the best thing that's ever happened to him and the Browns is Watson being gone. That's for sure. And Mitch Trubisky, he had a bad game. But he knew that going into the season, that any bad game that he's going to have, they're going to the Boo Birds are coming out and they want the rookie to go in. So it's all about him and Tomlin how they're going to handle adversity and how they can you know continue to get through this season and also groom the young quarterback waiting in the wings at the same time. But uh, other than that, yeah. it was formality that the Browns were going to win. They were the better team, playing with house money. Move on to the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles beat the Commanders twenty-four to eight. It was uh, twenty-four to two or twenty-four nothing going into the uh, fourth quarter. All the scoring occurred in two different quarters. The Eagles scored all of their points in the second quarter, and the Commanders scored all of their points in the fourth. Uh, Jalen Hurts three hundred forty yards, three touchdowns in the air. Um, all three of the touchdowns were in the air. First time the season, the Eagles didn't score a rushing touchdown. Carson Wentz two eleven on uh, on eight more attempts. He had a hundred and twenty-nine fewer yards passing, no interceptions. Um, they really held the commanders to nothing. Um, Eagles were scoreless again in the second half, uh, but their opponent was scoreless in the second half. I mean, all right, well, scoreless up until the fourth quarter anyway. 
Um, does this matter, or do you think it's really they're just kind of going into a shell and not getting too exotic with what they're uh, what they're doing? Um, well, first of all, for the offense for the Eagles, I like the diversity because it was week one, all about the run game. Everyone got a running touchdown. Week two, I believe versus the Vikings, saw a little bit of both, and then a week bit three, more balanced, more balanced than this one. He kind of just let, let it sling out there, let it air out. I do not like that they're scoreless in the second half. What alarmed me in week one was you let the Detroit Lions creep back in. You kind of shut down Cousins, but scored late. And you, you were scoreless at home on Monday Night Football. This week. Can't do that. Jags. Especially who just came off can't do that a road win. Jags this week. A road win against uh, Herbert and the Chargers. So they're coming in hot. So And Dougie Peace returned. So. The Eagles... Eagles yards were almost um, distributed uh, three to one. Uh, the passing yards were three twenty eight. The rushing yards were seventy two. They had four hundred exactly, so almost three quarters were passing yards and a quarter rushing. So they did a good job in that regard. Um, it's resting your players as well. I mean, you're right. They they can't. Yeah, and they had nine sacks on defense. Uh, Washington actually possessed the ball for five more minutes than the Eagles did, but they had uh, they had nine sacks on defense. So they got to win it's a lot. All right, next up, we got the Bears beating the Texans 23-20. Uh, the Bears somehow are 2-1 and one and tied for the division lead. Um, they had a an interception in the fourth quarter, which set up a, a game-winning kick. That kick, excuse me, I got the hiccups. Cairo Santos uh, hit it uh, with a couple minutes left, and then uh, Davis Mills, I believe there was an interception later on. Mills looks pretty good. Fields really doesn't. There, it's weird how... Things become so cyclical. When Trubisky took over as the quarterback in 2017, there were some games where he had less than 200 passing yards. Fields only attempted 17 passes on um, on Sunday, completed eight, and two were intercepted. He only had a three to one ratio of, uh, or I guess a four to one ratio of uh, uh, completions to his team to completions to the other team. So, not not a very uh, not an awe inspiring game. Do you have any notes on this one? Uh, the only thing I is the only thing I have. Excuse me, Texans are better than what people are thinking. They're competitive. They're not going to just lay down and just give up points. They're in it to win it. And that division's wide open. I mean, the Colts, they just got to win, you know, over the Chiefs, probably spoiling it, right, from this week? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, they beat the Chiefs. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch on that. But, like, the Colts are back in it. Titans, they're trying to find their footing. And then Jacksonville as well, trying to find their footing. So, I mean, this division's wide open. So, that's my takeaway. And the Bears... That division's open too, but it looks like it's Green Bay's to lose or Minnesota's really. So, next up on the uh, on the scores, the Titans they go wire to wire, not having lose lost the lead. They win twenty four twenty two over the zero three Raiders. The Raiders are the only winless team in the NFL right now. Yikes! I don't think anybody was expecting that. Um, I don't think anybody was expecting Mac Hollins to be the leading receiver for the Raiders on Sunday either. Uh, Derrick Henry, 85 yards. Robert Woods, 85 yards. Uh, total yards. 300 for Vegas. 252 for the Titans. Um, is actually, well, I was going to say, close to a uh, 50-50 split in terms of uh, a time of possession. 30 minutes and 45 seconds for the Raiders. 29-15 for the Titans. Usually the Titans kill the clock and they hold it for as long as they can. Tannehill managed the game and they kind of won them. Are you concerned about the Raiders? Very concerned. Very concerned. I think it is. Um, 
Derek Carr looks worse with a top receiver in Devontae Adams. Wonder if they were better off having a, a, like an even distribution. Um, <sighs> looks rough. Next up, Colts twenty, Chiefs seventeen. Uh, Matt Ryan. It. Matt Ryan in the fourth quarter scoring a touchdown. Uh, to you know, thirty-seven-year-old quarterback looking pretty good. He had two twenty-two in the air. Mahomes had two sixty-two. Mahomes. This broke a string of seventeen consecutive touchdowns without having thrown an interception. So, oh my God, is it is it a is it time to worry about? Kansas City, or what are we doing there? Matt Ryan hit Jelani Woods for his second touchdown of the game. If you had that on the, the bingo card. Quarter with 29 seconds remaining. Um, no, it's no pattern for Mahomes. They did look like they did really miss uh, Tyreek Hill. Out of the three games, this was the game that they missed him the most. Um, but we saw we saw the line. What, minus five and a half? That right there alone was sealed it for me. I was like, this is a trap game. No, There's no way the Colts are going to go 0-3 in the season. Well, oh two and one in the season. There's no way. So, no worries. There's not a get right game yet for the Chiefs, but Colts finally got a win. The Dolphins defeated the Bills twenty one nineteen. Lord have mercy. Two at a time. This looked like a an incredible game. A lot of turnovers, a lot of crazy plays. The Bills were unable to cash into the red zone. One of the drives. Yeah. Tua looked pretty good. Josh Allen looked pretty good, but Allen was kind of. When Allen accounts for three quarters of your offense, you got a problem. Yikes. So he had 400 yards passing but and 47 yards on the ground. So out, out of the 497 yards that the Bills mustered up, he had 447 of them. So, And they almost doubled the Dolphins. Actually, they more than doubled the Dolphins in total yards. It's just the turnovers kind of killed them in this one. And, you know, an inability to cash in. They had the ball for 40 minutes, and the Dolphins only had it for 20. Yikes! Well, they made their most with their opportunity. Drives that that just didn't work out. Do you think the Dolphins are for real? We'll see after tonight. Similar to last year's Cardinals. Yeah, we'll see after tonight if they can beat the Bengals on the road in that cold weather in in Cincinnati. The Super Bowl. Uh, what you call it? I'm drawing a blank. The AFC representative in the Super Bowl. If they can yeah. beat them, then yeah, the Dolphins are for real. 1,000%. Uh, the Vikings escaped with a victory over the Lions. Um, who do you think right now is the favorite to win that division? Because right now the, the Bears are 2-1. and one. Vikings are 2-1. and one, and I believe the Pack are 2-1. and one. Lions are 1-2. and two. So, I mean, that division's up for grabs. The Lions uh, are showing us they have some heart. The Vikings are maybe leaking a little bit of oil right now. But uh, Justin Jefferson, once again... Held to under 100 yards. Vikings are a quarterback away from making a serious, you know, dynasty run in terms of like relevancy and control ownership of that division because it's not too long before Rodgers hangs it up. He's not playing until he's 50. Dalvin Cook being out, if he's out for any type of uh, long period of time, I think that's trouble for them. Yeah. Uh, the Ravens beat the Patriots uh, 37 26. Lamar Jackson looked very good. Uh, Michael McCorkle Jones is not available for New England this week. Is it panic time in New England? Concern, panic, or doom? Because Brian Hoyer is now the starter. Concern. Mac Daddy Jones is out for basically 10 weeks, right? Or eight weeks, something like that? I didn't think they were any good with him. So, I mean, without him, I don't think they're a whole lot better. Um, so the this is, Bengals this is, took care of the – I'm sorry. 
that won't last. This is more for Lamar on a contract year as well, betting on himself. So, yeah, good for him. It's working out well for him. Uh, the Bengals defeat the Jets 27 12. Not a whole lot to do there. How about uh, them Bengals? Get right game of sorts for the Bengals <laughs> and a uh, uh, like kind of going back to their old habits for the Jets. That's a tough one for New York. Yeah. Uh, uh, how did we not see this one coming? The Panthers defeat the Saints 22 14. How about them? Uh, how about them Panthers, my friend? They're not back. They never will be back. They barely beat Jameis. Oil. Talking about leaking oil, the Saints are leaking oil right now. J- Jameis Winston is a liability out there. Uh, Yikes. So the the shocker of the week to some, Jaguars 38, Chargers 10. To it may some. not be completely shocking. Rashawn Slater is hurt. Um, I believe Derwin James is hurt. Um, Herbert Keenan Allen didn't play. Herbert's going into this game limping, but the Jags put a hurting on the Chargers this week. Um, I know this is not all Trevor Lawrence, but Trevor Lawrence looked pretty darn good. Ducky P, the magic of an actual competent head coach for a young quarterback. That's all you needed. I think you had an interesting stat also about the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars defense. I guess like the opposing team is like dead last in points. Like uh, yeah, did not not the fantasies to be all in though, but hmm. quarterbacks in fantasy, or I'm sorry, defenses in fantasy are are well, Jaguars defense in fantasy is technically number one in terms of uh, production from the other team. Yikes! So, yeah, um, <laughs> waiver wire or defenses facing the Jaguars. I mean, that's what you are. are d- defenses that face the Jaguars have the fewest points this year in, in fantasy. So if the Eagles um, should, if so, if you had the Eagles defense this week, sit them. Yeah, this is a fade Eagles defense. In fantasy, it'll tell you, um, like Lamar Jackson's facing. I think uh, I forget who he's facing this week, but whoever he's facing, it has like a two or a twelve or a mm-hmm. thirty-two. The ranking for how many points? If it's if it's low, it's bad. If it's high, it's good. Um. So the Rams beat the Cardinals. Are the Cardinals the most disappointing team? That uh, was twenty to twelve. Are the Cardinals the most disappointing team in football this year? Yes. Uh, I would. I wasn't really sold on them last year, to be honest with you. I wasn't sold, but they were complete 180 last year. MVP talks for um, Murray, coach of the year for Kingsbury. They were going to run the table, looks like. And then they get smoked in the playoffs. They almost missed the playoffs to begin with. That too. Um, The Falcons defeat the Seahawks 27-23. Let's go, Mariota. This is the First nothing up. bowl, as in it has <laughs> yes. no consequences or no bearing on anything in the NFL season. This might be the most useless game of the year. Actually, Packers, yes. Actually, it does hold bearing for our predictions, preseason predictions of over and unders. It has a lot of bearings on that. This but is this is one of two games on. Actually, no. This is the the only game on the slate this week. The Packers and Bucks game, where if you added together the total points. It would actually be lower than the total years pro of the two quarterbacks. Unbelievable. Uh, Rodgers and Brady muster up 26 measly points. Bucks unable to convert a uh, two-point conversion late. Uh, Rodgers said some weird stuff in the interview after the game. Didn't really give us any insight on it when he went on McAfee Tuesday. So just shut up and, and play ball, I guess. Um, he, it. he said something like, I saw something I wasn't supposed to see. And then oh. he didn't elaborate on it. Um, yeah. But the Packers win 14-12. Does this game really move the needle at all in the NFC? Or does this just make the Eagles look like they have a better road to the uh, Super Bowl? It just makes it seem like the Eagles' schedule is very uh, softball-ish. This game didn't do much for the, um, the the NFC not being as good as the AFC crowd because it really doesn't look that good right now. It's not the Eagles, the, these two teams, and that's about it. 
And how about them Eagles and Dolphins, the only undefeated teams? Bama boys. Went longer into the season last year with undefeated teams than we have this year. Crazy. So NFL is a wild, wild game. All right, next game, the snooze bowl of all. Your Can't boys. Watch this game. This is the, the, the worst primetime combination of games I've ever witnessed in my entire life. I can't believe I had to listen to this on the way home. Although but, I had uh, to watch it. Oh, yeah, that's worse. Um, the Broncos escape with a win. Highway robbery. Escape is an understatement. 11 to 10 over the 49ers. Gross we were all around. Robbed. We were absolutely <laughs> robbed of a score, Gami, in this one. <laughs> what was the score? It was supposed to be, what, nine? No. 9-6 or 9-5 would have been the scorecard. 9-5. Oh, my Lord. So, Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll get yeah. to this later. We'll get to it later. Never mind. Uh-huh. Uh, then Monday night, Cowboys defeat the Giants 23-16. Daniel Jones. Yikes. He, he, no, they they <sighs> defended him on sports radio, but I, I don't see it. I still don't see it, and we still learned nothing. <laughs> he looks rough out there. When it- you do if you're the Giants next year. Do you run it back with him on a bridge contract and hope you can get him like two years, sixteen million? Do you franchise him or do you just move on completely? Whatever is the cheapest option, I would keep him. But whatever the cheapest option to keep him, I think they're probably kicking themselves that they didn't try to get Russell Wilson. I know Wilson's not exactly lighting the world on fire, but it would, it would have at least given them a couple of years of kicking the can down the road. True. I, I think I think their best case scenario was get get Jones back on a, a bridge contract and then use some of that cap space to go get a wide receiver. I don't know who it'll be, where they'll get the guy, but who knows? Go find a receiver. Galladay looking like dirt. Sterling Shepard looked like he's done with a turf toe. Galladay is making more money than like six prominent Eagles this year. Combined. That's gross. So, pretty bad. So that's your week three review. Obviously, we don't really have a whole lot of insight on those games, but uh, we have week <sighs> four beginning tonight. The Dolphins head to uh, Cincinnati. It's three and a half points is the um, – the spread, 47 points. The uh, Dolphins flying the Cincinnati on a short week after an emotional game. Is this a trap? Uh, it's updated it's a now. It's a, yeah, right. It's updated. It's Cincinnati 3.5, over under 48.5. Go off a little bit. Um, so they expect the Bengals to uh, so both teams essentially get a point there. It's about 23-21-ish. Yeah. This is a, a huge trap for the Dolphins. I would agree. I, I think this is a bad spot for the Dolphins and a good spot for Cincy. Cincy coming off a pretty convincing win, their first win of the season. Momentum. Um, it, against the Jets, they have a little bit of momentum going. They go home. They got the white jerseys tonight. I think it's an opportunity for them to kind of say, all right, well, cool, we're back, guys. Yeah, and on prime time, you're the only show in town. Michaels and Herbie. I can't um, wait. This is the uh, the first quarterback off the board and the, I believe, second quarterback off the board. Oh, no, third quarterback, I'm sorry, because um, what's his name went second? Wilson went second. Mm, Zach Wilson, um, yes. Yeah, so this is um, Joe Burrow. Oh, no, I'm off. I'm off by a year. I'm sorry. Joe Burrow, the, Wilson was the following year. Joe Burrow facing yeah. off against Tua Tagovailoa. They faced, of course, a couple times in college. Uh, in their final years in college, Burrow got Tua in the, uh, the Bama LSU game. The year prior, I'm sure Burrow lost because he didn't have 50 weapons on his team. <laughs> um, well, who do you like in this game? Uh, give me Dolphins, even though it's a trap game. Give me the Dolphins. I like the underdog story here. I'm on board. I I, I like the, I like the Bengals. For all picking a Bengals team, what? what? I have um, I have another bullet point to add to my uh, my list of uh, my laundry list of reasons to dislike Joe Burrow. 
Oh yes. Oh yes. 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 Um, all ears. Wanna, you, you know that trophy that um, Joe Burrow has in his uh, in his uh, in his house. Which one? There's many. It's uh, <laughs> been trophy. Oh yes, that, that one. That uh, should belong to Jalen Hurts. <laughs> You're right. 2019. You're right. About Joe that. Burrow. Joe Burrow. 5,671 yards passing. Um, you want to hear some of the receivers that were catching the balls from him that season? Jamar Chase. Yeah. Uh, first of all, his uh, his his lead running back was Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Uh, oh, 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 Leonard Fournette's brother was on this team. Uh, Leonard. Um, <laughs> all right, listen to these names: Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Thaddeus Moss, Terrace Marshall. Um, that's about it. Uh, you can argue Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Um, do you know who was catching balls from Jalen Hurts in 2019? Devontae Smith. How about Charleston Rambo? You know who that is? The son of the Sylvester not, Stallone. Not Rambo. Rocky Rambo. Oh. <laughs> oh. Let, let's just say uh, 9,477 yards for Jalen Hurts. Jesus. That season um, com- com- combined between, you know, passing, which was 3851, and rushing. Let's just say that um, this notion that Burrow could do it on his own when um, Jalen Hurts was handing the ball <laughs> off to Ramondre Stevenson, Trey Sermon, and Kennedy Brooks and throwing passes to uh, – well, he did have C.D. Lamb, but throwing passes to freaking Jadon Hasselwood, Charleston Rambo, Jeremiah Hall, and Braden Willis. I think all four of those guys are working at the giant supermarket up the street from my house, whereas Burrow uh, <laughs> was thrown to three first-round picks. So let's let's just say this. That, that, that Heisman Trophy belongs to – Jalen Hurts, yeah. Jalen Christopher Hurts. Um, I have no idea if that's his middle name, but uh, we'll Burrow, Burrow, when Burrow loses in the first round of the playoffs this year, because I think they'll still make it, he should have to fly to Philly, meet you at the airport, give you the trophy, <laughs> and you can give it to Jalen when he flies in. Oh, with pleasure, without so, a shadow of a doubt. Uh, I do think he's a good player, and he obviously deserved the, tro- the trophy that year. But it, uh, that would have been cool to see Jalen win it that year after all the turmoil at Bama, not even playing his junior year. And then getting into the NFL, going to the second round, good for him. It's a good story for both of them. Burrow sure. obviously going to the, you know, getting out of the, out of the mud, so to speak, with Ohio State, and then going up to LSU and dominating. But for going sure. down to LSU, um, so we have actually been pretty good on time. You want to do the W's and L's, or would you like me to read my Apple list? Uh, let's go W's and L's. I only okay. have two L's and two dubs, so I'm two for two. Yeah, one, two, three, four. I got six W's and four L's this week. Um, I'll let you. I'll yeah. let you read. It. I don't want to steal any of yours in case I I stole a couple of yours. I might steal uh, yours though. That's the thing. I, I'd rather you do that because at least I have some backup ones. All right. Um. L number one, and it's ranked because this is a top L here. Met yeah, fans and fan base, all of you. List. <laughs> <laughs> all the Mets. Yes, right. Out of my L's, you could have the top spot. Um. I'd like to piggyback on this, if if you may. Of if course. Of course. Anytime we can bash the Mets. Sorry, Richard, if you're listening. Uh, well, sorry. We're Phillies fans, so we have no room to talk. <laughs> Honestly. Um, Met fans and Mets in general. They thought they had the division locked, ready, set, right, like throw away the mind. key. Never mind. All is good. <laughs> and these donkeys printed out a T-shirt that is selling on Dick's Sporting Goods, I believe, or Sports Authority or any it's Sporting Goods Sporting Goods, goods store. in New York, yep. This is the same thing I had. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that with the... If you could correct me if I'm wrong, but the shirt said printed... The, the East, is, the East ours. is ours with the New York Mets logo on the side. <sighs> Rob, they're one game up on the Braves, and they have a three-game series this weekend. 
so they could be it looking up. It may or may up. not even happen with the hurricane coming through, though. So. It might happen. It'll be a neutral site if it, if it's in Philadelphia. Oh my goodness. Oh my I would, lord. I would pay to watch uh, Mets Braves in Philly. Yes, in a Phillies uniform and shirt. Yes, and just yeah. move both teams. As they you go. know what I would do? I would go. In, I would go in like Angels gear. I would just wear my sports my sports <laughs> attire. It's like you know. I would, I would wear a Cleveland Browns jersey or something. That's exactly what I was gonna say. This should, we should treat this like a London game. Where there's just various <laughs> jerseys across people everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's us. I, I think I told this story before. I went to the Jets game with my buddy, and uh, it was Jets Browns, and we saw a Matt Stafford Lions jersey. He just, he, I was trying to figure it out, trying to wrap my head around. It. He's like, some people just have like their sports attire, like they just. I'm going to the sports. I'm gonna wear my sports shirt. Football, Americano. <laughs> now, if, if that were to happen, yeah. Um, God forbid the uh, two baseball teams played in Philly that aren't from Philly. Um, I would have to wear a hockey jersey, right? And you would have to wear a football jersey. Yes. A basketball jersey or something. I'm wearing my maxi with a hoodie, of course, because the weather changed. I would probably a... wear a Vegas Golden Knights jersey. Oh, no. Wait, I have... The only jerseys I have. <laughs> I wear my maxi jersey with an Eagles hoodie under and a New York Yankee hat. I'm just all over the place. Uh, yeah. Screw it. Might as well. I'll wear yeah. my. Um... That's my first up because by the end of the week, they can be in. They could be two back, yeah, and this is back. kind of what we wanted because we'd rather face if it were to if it were to happen, we'd rather face the Mets in the wild card in a three game series yeah. than the Braves. So, as it stands right now, the Phillies would probably get the uh, the Cardinals in the first round, and the winner of that series would get the Mets. So, no, I mean the, the bracket right now is not looking so hot. Philly right now Yikes. is tied with Sandy. Uh, what's it called? Brewers tied with the Brewers. Um, with the with the tiebreaker. But the, yeah, the Brewers have to be one game up on the Phillies. We'll get to that on Friday. Uh, but they're yeah, they're a game up. And I don't know what the head-to-head record is if the Mets have a tiebreaker, but uh, I guess that'll be kind of determined this weekend. Yeah, honestly. Um, and my second L, uh, this Saturday is a UFC fight night in Las Vegas. Los, uh, the UFC, is that's the home base. They have the Apex facility, which is basically when COVID hit, they kind of build a facility just for the fight nights, and it's just kind of closed off to the public, like a small portion of the public, and obviously the media is there. Well... It was announced yesterday, Wednesday, that it is closed off from the media and the public. This is a fight night happening in private. It's not going to be aired. Well, I think it will be aired, but it won't be open to the public. There's no press conference. There's no anything, no scrum as normal. And the reason is Dana said he just wanted to give the media a night off, quote-unquote. I smell BS all around, and then one of the fighters that's on the card accidentally let the you know the secret out and then dana later denied it completely but she said that oh the facebook guy from meadow uh zuckerberg he rented the whole place out for the weekend that's why it's that's why there's no one gonna be there i'm excited to meet him and stuff like that i think he's a and he is a fight fan but if that is true rob mark zuckerberg closed off the facility for no fans to watch or the media because he's in attendance. Gross all around if that's true. But Dana poo-pooed it. But that's my two L's of the week. But um, I'm going to piggyback on the Mets one. The, uh, the, that thing definitely happened, and that was bad. <laughs> uh, my my first L, and I may have misheard this, which is why I'm making it my first one. I try to keep the best for last. Steve Young was on the Michael K show on Monday. Okay, and he was likening franchise quarterbacks to um, to closers in basketball. He said, you know, you have to have you know the game changing quarterback, otherwise you can't win ah. a championship. Similar in basketball, 
you need, and I quote, I think anyway, because I may have misheard it, you need, and I quote, that LeBron James, that James Harden, or that James Durant on your team in the NBA. <laughs> and um, I believe Steve Young went on national radio and referred it's to a- Kevin Durant as James Durant <laughs> in the market in which Kevin Durant plays. So, uh, tough one. Um, sorry, Steve, but uh, bye. Christian Wood is my second L, the, the Mavericks in particular. Christian Wood was unaware that he was coming off the bench until media day on Monday this week. I, I caught that when, too. When um, the head coach of the the, uh, the Mavericks, whose, whose name is escaping me, I'm sorry. Jason Kidd? Is it Jason Kidd? Okay. I believe so. Uh, said that we don't need Christian Wood to be a microwave off the bench. We just need him to be Christian Wood. And then apparently Christian Wood was like, yeah, this is, I, this is the first time I've heard that I'm coming off the bench. So that's another L. I think on and Twitter then, he just said LOL. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a big deal, but it, it kind of sucks that he found out that way. My third L is going to be a, a little kid was on camera during the Tigers and Guardians game or Tigers and White Sox game this weekend mm-hmm. eating ice cream. Uh. And, <laughs> as you may imagine, the ice cream fell. Spot. So, poor dad had to go pay 15 bucks for another ice cream after that. So That's why you have to get the kid. helmet. The helmet is clutch. That's all it is. It was in handy, especially when it's cold out. Yes. It's windy in Chicago. You got to be careful of the wind. What an idiot. Kid's an idiot. But give me a first touchdown guy to take tonight. Uh, I'm looking over here. The lights are flickering. They're ready to to kick off soon. They're doing their last minute, you know, wrap up. Oh, there it is. Kirk Herbstreet and Al Michaels. Suit is still on. And another note, Kirk is just pancaked with makeup, bro. Looks like he got a cake put in his face. Yeah. Jesus. Al Michaels looks like disheveled and old. Well, wow, this guy is just pancaked with, like, with his wrinkles for Kirk Herbstreit. You can see, like, a little bit of makeup just coming off onto the suit. Gross. What else you got for me? Oh, let's go with that's all my L's. The other one was the Dixon. Oh, that's one. Okay. Um, my two W's. Um, number one, shout out to Albert Pujols. Last week, he hit a 699th and 7th hundred home run in the same game in Dodger Stadium. Whatever it's called, um, he's the first Latin-born player in the 700 Club. Oh wow! So, uh, well, yeah, I guess there's not that many in the 700 Club to begin with, right? So kudos to one Albert Pujols. Yeah. He's what the fourth player to hit. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's um, Bonds, Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, and now Pujols. That, that's a talk about distinct company. Platanos, Dominicans, yeah. let's go. Good for him, man. Platano power, and also. W piggyback off of Pujols, he said, and I quote, I don't care about the ball of a 700 ball until the guy ran off. <laughs> He's like, all right, yeah. fuck it. I'm not giving you money. Who this cares? This. I'm going to hit 701. <laughs> Watch We're good. Me. We're good. And uh, my second one is, I saw on, on Twitter right before we went off, according to Twitter, uh, Action News on a- 6ABC, a native of Cameroon, Joel Embiid, said he was sworn in as a citizen two weeks ago in Philadelphia. So a mahusive W for uh, Joel Embiid. And Philadelphia. Kudos to them. That's cool. A native of Philadelphia. Love it. Citizen. Then that's all. Right, so that was one of my Ws. Um, ah. So uh, the Guardians Twitter account is going to be my first W. Cleveland okay. Guardians just won the um, just won the, Amer- the American League Central Division Championship. Really? Um, after, wow. after a lot of people picked the White Sox in the offseason to be I the... <laughs> to win the uh, division title. Um, so on April 6th, 
2022, right as the season was uh, set to kick off, uh, NBC Sports uh, White Sox on Twitter tweeted a picture of the uh, Will Smith standing in a room by himself. <laughs> um, and they said, us wondering if the rest of the division is going to show up this year. And then on 9-25-22, after the, uh, the Guardians won, they tweeted out a picture of, I don't know who the guy on the left is, but that's Jose Ramirez. And they're in the room. And they said, we just moved into our new place. <laughs> and it's the Will Smith room. So that's <gasps> W number one. I've just looked at our notes for our preseason. Guess who got the Guardians as the division winners? So we probably picked the White Sox. And you picked oh. the White Sox. <laughs> if we, if we both picked the Brewers to win the NL Central, didn't we? No, you did. I had the Cardinals. Son of a bitch. You're better at this than me. This is not. And guess what? Um, the last thing, I'm sorry I won't poo poo it. We each picked the Angels to win, though. But we both picked the Braves to win the division, and it could happen. <laughs> yeah, it looked all season like the Mets were going to do it. Um, so my next W. Yeah. Um, how about Philly's Dollar Dog Night? Dude, I so, got to go to one of those. I have to go to one of those. So I want to give a, a half of a W to the people who, like, basically petition the Phillies to have a dollar dog night. And then secondly, how's this for a story? So yeah. I'm just going to read the Philly sweet word for word. I'm not going to uh, treat it as my own uh, chest pain after a night of too many hot dogs helped Bill Finn discover his cancer. After months of chemotherapy, he's cancer free. Bill joined us for the final Hatfield Frank Phillies Frank's dollar dog night of the 2022 season to tell a story. So this guy ate too many hot dogs at a dollar dog night for the Phillies earlier this season. And started to get chest pains. No and when he went to the hospital, it was discovered he had cancer. So shout what out to the, the Phillies fuck? for these dollar dog nights because this, they say lives. May, may or may not have actually led to this guy's life being saved. So W. Okay, um, listen. My third W is Greg Amsinger on MLB Network. Earlier in the season, maybe even before the season, predicted the exact night that Pujols was going to hit 700. Really? Um, oh, yes, yes. That's serious. Awesome. Yeah, he said it's going to be a Friday night in L.A. in September and Pujols is going to hit 700. Uh, so shout out Am Singer. Um, this one is um, one that is near and dear to uh, football fans' hearts. Dan Orlovsky, after more than a decade <laughs> of Dan Orlovsky of getting trashed and even getting an L last week for farting on the air, Dan Orlovsky is no longer the most recent quarterback to run out of the back of the end zone. Who was the donkey? James James Michael Richard Garoppolo. You are now the meme. Now, what makes this worse? Now, um, so they, they were arguing about it a little bit on the K show yesterday. Yeah. Which one was worse? Orlovsky brings up a, a very good point. Garoppolo was just dropping back. He wasn't getting away from pressure. And when he threw the ball after being out of bounds for safety, it wound up being the easiest pick six in NFL history. It didn't stand. Yeah. Orlovsky was running for his life. At least he, <laughs> at least he had a reason. He was running away from Jared Allen and didn't realize that the back of the end zone was there. Garoppolo just dropped back. Yeah. So a W for Mr. Um, Orlovsky. My next W is going to go to Mark Sanchez. Uh, talk about exercising demons. Uh, <laughs> What's up? Nothing, nothing will ever displace the butt fumble. <laughs> nothing. But the butt punt is up there. Oh. In the Dolphins <laughs> game, the puncher kicked one right off the backside of, I forget the guy, the, the poor bastard's name, but right off the Dolphins player's bum and threw back of the end zone for a safety. <laughs> I have never and probably will never see anything like that again. I can't fathom. Somebody texted me about a butt punt, and I was like, what are you talking about? And I looked it up, and I was like, oh, this delivers. Um, <laughs> that poor bastard. And my final W will go to Anthony Rizzo. 
Anthony Rizzo um, got to recognize his childhood dream of being an MLB manager last night as the Yankees uh, probably presumably hung over from the night before after winning the division. Right. Aaron Boone let Rizzo and Nestor Cortez and Glaber Torres uh, kind of handle a lot of the managerial duties. So Rizzo actually made the lineup for last night's game. Yeah, He was in the dugout doing the hold on. We're going to. All right, we're going to look at that. Um, <laughs> there was a video of Cortez picking up the, the bullpen phone. Yeah. <laughs> getting somebody up in the bullpen. That's funny. Rizzo had the watch on his uh, his left hand. He's in the dugout writing on the uh, the laminated thing, the lineup. And he, he, he managed to copy all of Boone's mannerisms, too. Boone has this way of sitting in the dugout with his one foot up and both of his arms up on the little the on cutout. Ledge. Yeah. And yeah, and Rizzo did the exact same thing last night. I think I sent you the video of all the all of Rizzo, all the camera time he got. So I gotta see it. That was very cool. Um, I thought that was also cool by Boone to allow Rizzo to do that. Like but, I saw- uh, they kind of they mailed it in because they just won the division of the yeah. Empire. Judge obviously wanted to still play, so they put him in there. Uh, Judge and Donaldson, but I'll piggyback the off part, of that. They let the kids play as well. That's 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 when you know teams loose. Hopefully they yeah. turn it back off though when playoffs come. I don't think there's any question that Boone is a player's manager, and I think all the all the people that hate him are probably not justified. I'll piggyback off of that. I think that the night that they did clinch, two nights prior, or the night prior to that, they were looking to clinch in Toronto. Vlad Jr. gets a walk off. He's like, Not in my house, not in my house. This is my house. Then the next night the Yankees did defeat them and clinch in their house, and then Michael K ceremoniously says it was very nice of uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to uh, welcome us into his house to clinch. I'm butchering it, but... uh, uh, It's very nice of Vlad to allow the Yankees to uh, celebrate in his house. Yeah. And he didn't realize it was going to go viral when it did. So It's viral if I see it on TikTok. I love that dude. I love Michael K. I know people hate him, but I love that dude. And breaking it, the the Bengals are just driving right down the hearts of... Of uh, the Dolphins crossing the 50. So if you have the Bengals up seven, you might cash in early. Is that the first drive of the game? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, on to the final thing here. Um, yes, I have, I've I've compiled a list of all the mistakes that the Apple TV broadcast gave us last Friday. Oh, this is um, it's be obviously beautiful. been almost a week since we talked. Uh, we're going to finish with this. So in no particular order, kind of in order of when they happened, because I'm, I was referencing my text conversations with you and, and Fireman Joe, and then uh, also some other people I was talking to. So, uh, Stephen Nelson, Hunter Pence, and Katie Nolan, you're, you're canceled, sis. Is, you're canceled, sisses. I don't want you in my life anymore. Apple TV, <laughs> I've never watched another baseball game on there. I will listen to the radio call or watch Japanese announcers call these games. That, that was awful. In, in the first seven minutes, I, it, I can reference my texts. 707 is when it happened. <laughs> Stephen Nelson called Aaron Boone, Aaron Judge. Seven minutes into the broadcast, he called Aaron Judge the first manager in Yankees history to go over 500 his first five seasons as manager. Um, bottom, of the first, bottom of the second inning, Giancarlo Stanton hits a fly ball to right field. Steven Nelson calls him Aaron Judge. <laughs> Before the game started, they were talking about <laughs> Joel is dying. Before the game, they were talking about the batting average race because Aaron Judge has an opportunity to win the Triple Crown. Katie Nolan specified that because Xander Bogarts was not playing, it was technically impossible for the gap to not get any larger. It was impossible for Judge to close the gap. Judge um, 
actually took the lead in this game and the batting average lead. Um, in the first inning, they made a big deal of the fact that Judge only had 13 home runs off of lefties, while 47 of his came against righties. Um, Thur, he's only had 126 plate appearances against left-handed pitching this year and 409 against righties. So actually, proportionately, he's actually had more home runs per plate appearance against lefties than he has righties. Uh, the home run call when Tommy Pham made it one nothing in the first inning, Steven Nelson's call on that could not have sounded worse. Pham shoots it out to right field. And good. Horrendous. I Helen Keller could have made a better call on that. On that same home run call, it was a solo home run, by the way. Steven Nelson said it was a two-run homer. They, uh, Katie Nolan said it was impressive that Oswaldo Cabrera was playing right field because he came up and played left field earlier in the season. Um, Cabrera is a third baseman, by the way. Learning the outfield had three professional games in the outfield before coming up to the majors. And by the way, his first start in the outfield was in right field for the Yankees in his second day in the majors. Um, the entire time they kept calling Isaiah Kiner Falefa Kiner, and nobody has ever called him Kiner. There was a tag at second base that Glaber Torres put on somebody, and they called him Isaiah Kiner Falefa, but they called him Kiner. They said the tag at second base could have been a little Kiner, and it was Glaber playing second. <laughs> um, Steven Nelson called a curveball a sidearm curve a Ruski. Uh, Heidi Watney, before the game started, said she talked to Harrison Bader about what it's been like all season long being teammates with Aaron Judge, watching his quest for 60 home runs. Um, Harrison Bader had not been with the team more than a month at that point, and it was only his second game on the team <laughs> because he was in the minors hurt. Um, <laughs> Marlins man was in attendance. Anybody that watches baseball knows Marlins man just pops up wherever. Katie Nolan said, "Where does he? Where is he from? Does he always wear that orange jersey?" Yes, it's been ten years. He's he's a rich old dude going to all these baseball games. Um, Hunter Pence called a check swing safe. Yikes! Um, when they showed the umpire doing the thing where he said he didn't swing, they called it a safe. Who scored? I oh, know it's a first and goal. Bengals driving down their hearts. Um, when when Aaron Judge came up the bat, Stephen Nelson said, "There's not a single fan in the stadium sitting down right now." The camera literally showed every single person in the diamond level sitting down. And Aaron Boone is literally sitting in the dugout. <laughs> and the announcers are sitting down. So, so they called Tommy Pham's two, uh, solo home run a two-run homer. Um, they they mistook they, they kept saying in the hole was three batters later which it's two batters later it goes batter on deck in the hole Jesus Christ. Heidi Watney interviewed uh, Roger Maris Jr. who was obviously the son of Roger Maris she asked him what he remembers from the day that Roger hit his, his 61st home run <laughs> Roger was three years old on that day <laughs> and then uh, two more uh, later in the game, uh, this is so bad. Um, later in the game, uh, the Yankees took the lead late. Steven Nelson suggested that the pitcher of record who was already pitching for the Yankees should stay in and get the save. It's literally impossible to get the save if, you, if, you have, if you're not entering the game with the lead. And then I have a bonus one from the late, the late telecast because there was a second game. Uh, Lars Newtbar. Outfielder for the Cardinals. His name was spelled wrong on the starting lineup on the screen. <laughs> Intern got fired. Oh, they, they should all get fired. That was awful. 
That was the worst. That was my worst viewing experience of baseball in my entire life outside of the game against the Mets. Phillies blew that seven run lead. Oh man, I don't think I laughed at. Oh, t- touchdown, Joe Mixon. At Hayden Hurst. Whoever 20, 20, number 20, 28, 20. Mixon. Oh, yeah, that's Mixon. Damn it. Dude, they drove down that throat. Dude, that's probably the funniest shit I've heard. Probably better than the five eulogy. Bucks. That was a waste of five bucks. <laughs> Dude, I was in tears. Oh, that's all I got. Oh, right. there's more. Just tune in for the rest of the season. Did they do playoffs? Because, my God, that would be insane. I think that was actually the. Uh, Katie Nolan actually asked Stephen Nelson if, if he was sad because that's the final game that they. Um, oh. That they uh, they're gonna have, which is thank God. <laughs> oh, he missed it. Oh, he just, just made okay. it. Oh, okay. McPherson, dude, he barely made that in. Woo, Joe Mixon got him on my ticket. But dude, that was funny go. as hell. All right, so. Uh, we'll wait till next listen. season. But, yeah, I can't wait the next season when they have new announcers. I think next year they're going to probably invest in some real announcers. Um, I don't mind Pence. I don't think he's terrible, but Katie Nolan doesn't really add anything to the broadcast. Heidi Watney's fine. I like her on the sidelines and stuff. She, she does MLB Network stuff, and she works in the playoffs. But uh, Nelson's not bad. They got, they got to, they have to improve the, uh, the the B and C in the booth. Um, Nelson's fine, but uh, uh, get rid of Pence. Bring in, I don't know, it could be Cliff Floyd for all I care. And make the third person, you know, somebody with insight. Uh, maybe they steal... <laughs> Ken Rosenthal for one day a week or something. Like that. I don't know, but I, I can't. I can't do it. It, it was so bad. The, the late broadcast wasn't bad. Uh, the guy that did the uh, the late game was uh, the Mets radio uh, radio guy. I thought mm. he did very well. Then the um, I think it was Cardinals and Dodgers. Tom McGinnis should get on there. Tom McGinnis, yep. Yeah. Looking forward <laughs> to him doing some Sixers games on the TV as well. Oh yeah, hopefully. Hopefully we're in attendance for one. Oh, the chance we get a Franski game this weekend. Actually, I'm going to see if Tom. McC- I think got an uh, NFL game. Maybe the Eagles will finally get a, uh, a real announcer this week. Stop getting Kenny Albert and Adam Amin. For 2022 NFL announcing schedule, let's take a quick look. Oh, Amin. Um, we'll wrap up real quick. I'm just going to go off our preseason division and wild card for baseball. Oh, my God, even worse. They got Spiro Ditas. Oh, gross. How do you go from at- Dude, you got Jacksonville Philly, you got Spiro Ditas, Jay Feely. Uh, it, it appears as though Tom McCarthy will be doing um, Philly's games this weekend, even though CBS has the extra game. It looks like they brought somebody else in to do it. All right. Uh, Beth Mowens is working the, the Houston Chargers game. So Tom McCarthy will be able to call the pennant race for the Phillies. All right. All right. It's good All right. while lastly getting France on TV. But hey. Well, here we go for. Division winners that we did in the preseason real quick. Uh, NL had Dodgers, Cardinals, Braves. That might be the lock right there. You had Dodgers, Brewers, Braves. That's that's dead. Uh, AL, we both had the Angels. Yikes. Uh, You had the Guardians. I had the Guardians. You had the White Sox. And then I had Toronto. I had the Red Sox. (laughs) And you had the Red Sox. And here comes the Junkies winning it all. I did have Judge to win MVP, though. You did. And you're going to cash in pretty good. Yeah, I think I changed my mind like like three games in the season. So that's got a little asterisk next to it. Oh, let's go. I got my money line bet because they're up 7 nothing. <laughs> there you go. There we go. Get that. All right, guys. Yeah. Uh, this was episode 73, uh, Rewriting History. Bing. Get over how fitting that is. Yeah, right. 
it's, it's, it's insane how sports works in life like that. Uh, we'll be back literally tomorrow. So back-to-back episodes this week. So 74 will be coming shortly. Uh, until then, Rob, any last words? No, I'm going to save them for tomorrow. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed this episode. See you for episode 74.